Turning your Bibles, we're going to Old Testament today, the book of Judges. The book of Judges, we're going to start in chapter 6. I'm not going to tell this whole story. Again, I trust that you're going to go home and read more of this throughout the week. You don't rely on me to feed you everything because if that's the case, you're starving to death. I trust that you're going to go home and read this story because it's a phenomenal story about the man by the name of Gideon. A man by the name of Gideon, I'm going to tell this story, but I, I want to clear up confusion. And you see these words behind us. I want to clear some things up. Tomorrow night, 7 p.m., more Monday. I promise you, you will be glad you took an hour and a half of your time and came here tomorrow night for more Monday. There's a lot of confusion, and that's what the enemy loves. The father hates confusion because he is not the father of confusion. Satan is the father of confusion. So if you're confused over anything in your life, you know that it is not God that is confusing you. It is Satan, the enemy, who does not want you to have clarity on what the Father is wanting you to know. Some of us, we just had conversation over conversation after conversation on the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what is he about in my life? Does he come to me at salvation? Yes. Does he enter into my life and have full reign at me at salvation? No. So that's why I say it's confusion. And so what I want us to do before I go any further, and you can look on the screen because I want to read out of a chapter in Luke 11. In Luke 11, I want you to just listen to this. And this is maybe we could spend our whole time here this morning, but we're not. But as I was praying for us, praying for all this stuff that we're hearing, some of us for the very first time, I've heard people who went to Christian universities, why didn't I... Why didn't I get taught this stuff there? I don't know the answer to that. But here's a passage of scripture in Luke 11. This is Jesus speaking and he says this. I'm going to read several verses. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. That's key. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if there's any confusion over anything, especially because this is sort of the, we have our finger on the pulse, over who the Holy Spirit is and how you go about operating under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus just told us what to do. He didn't say go to church. He didn't say go to more Monday. He didn't say go get around a lot of smart people, although that's wonderful things. The first thing that we must do if there is an ounce of confusion is ask him. See, I remember six months ago, we started teaching about listening to the Father's voice. See, it's very important that we recognize his voice because when we ask him, we have to be able to figure out, is this my voice? 
Is this the enemy's voice? Or is this truly the Father's voice? If there's any confusion, Jesus said, ask my Father. Ask him. And I promise you, I promise you he's going to answer. Amen? It's good. It's important. As we move forward, as we journey, as tomorrow turns into Monday, you guys, I want some revelation in your life like today. I've been asking him for fresh revelation in your life. Don't know why he does what he does. We're going to get to that in a second. But he takes me to the Old Testament book of Judges. I mean, I just, can I just be very honest? I don't spend like many time, many, much time just reading the book of Judges. I know I've been accused of <laughs> there's more books in the Bible than just Acts. I mean, I, I, I'm just hanging on one of them because I just don't spend much time in the book of Judges. I went to Israel again a couple of months ago and sat at the very brook where I'm getting ready to read you this story from. In the book of Judges, there's a man by the name of Gideon. And I don't know how far we're going to get in here this morning. I'm not in a hurry. I don't think any of you guys are either. Um, But we're going to just take our time for the next probably, I'm not even going to say. I got plenty of time this morning. A man by the name of Gideon. and, And Gideon has to be at his lowest point of his life when we encounter him here in Judges chapter 6. Gideon's people, the Israelites, have been just taken full advantage of. He is hiding. And I'm going to get to that. That's a big part of what I'm getting ready to teach and we're going to talk about here in a second. He's hiding. He thinks God has let him down. If he's being honest, he's pretty angry at God. He's disappointed by God. And he thinks that he now is left all alone to fend for himself. He's got to work really hard and be really crafty and go figure this thing out. See, I'm talking about your calling today. And some of you in this very room, you have been fired. You have been wrongfully asked to retire. Some of you, think that you have to go back and get educated and so you are in that process that is putting a strain on your time and your family and your wallet people around you are prospering and they are not in church today people around you are getting your jobs that you are much more qualified for some of you in this room have retired in a healthy way You have more time on your hands than you've ever had before. And you are still as confused as ever. So I'm talking about your calling. Because if you watched last week or were here last week, you heard me say that your calling is not about a profession. Your calling is about an assignment. And our assignment across the room in this place is the same whether you are a doctor, a lawyer, a fireman, or a preacher. Our assignment is the same. We are to host the presence and power of God, host the Holy Spirit really well. And then the second part of that is we are to say yes to the Father. That's our assignment. Scott, that sounds so simple. It is That's how much the Father loves us as he's made it this simple. Host the Holy Spirit really well and say yes to the Father. 
See, that's what Gideon's assignment was, just like yours. And we're going to pick up here in Judges chapter 6. And I'm going to start in the middle of the 6th chapter. And I'm going to start with the 11th verse where an angel of the Lord comes on the scene. (laughs) That's a good day right there. I can stop at the 11th verse. And when the angel of the Lord comes on the scene, you guys just need to pack up punch out and just sit there and enjoy that one. But we're so busy sometimes we miss the presence of the Lord where we are. We can come into this very place where his presence is very real and be so preoccupied of the mind that we miss his presence. See, you don't have to be in church to encounter his presence. Some of you tomorrow are going to, and I've heard some children here, so I'm going to say this very kindly. Some of you tomorrow are going to go to Sheol. That's just a nice way of saying hell. Some of you tomorrow are going to an environment that resembles that place. And did you know that you can still encounter the power and presence of God at that place? Newsflash, that may be why you are going there in the first place. You see, it's all about how we look at this stuff. God is not punishing you, sending you to that dreaded workplace. He is sending you, his child, to go change the atmosphere of that place. Amen? That was way better than you guys took it. But (laughs) The angel of the Lord, verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak. And I love this. This is vivid. And I'm probably going to mess these names up because I'm... You know, I just, I'm still learning to read. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak and, and it looks like Oprah. Can I go with that? It's Ophrah. I don't know. You guys got to go figure this stuff out for yourself. I'm going along this journey with you. I wrote it down in my terms so I can say it's like Ophra, Ophra. Sat down under a troke, under an oak. That belonged to Joash, and this is another one that, that you need to study this stuff and get this because these names mean something, but I'm just a by Ezerite. And that's how I said it. That's how they said it last night on the internet. So that's the way it's got to be. <laughs> okay, we're, hard, we're past all the hard names. Where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. I'm going to come back to that verse. And if I don't come back to that verse, will you somebody, will you say, hey, go back to that verse? Because I'm going to get probably going 100 miles an hour here in a second and not come back to that. But that's very important. You're on that. It's your responsibility. I'm pointing at you in the flowers. Don't look at her. I'm pointing at you. Where Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And I need to echo those words to every single one of you in this room right now. Listen to me. I am a messenger of the Lord today. And the Lord, our God, is with you, mighty warrior. And if you're hearing anything less, you are hearing from the enemy. And he does not want you to know that God is with you, mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. 
Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. And our God is with you. Now we can go home because we just had church. That'll change everything about you if you will remember the truth. But what we do is we go saturate ourselves in this world's environment and we start to hear all of the other lies that other people, the enemy, and whoever else is saying, and it's no wonder we feel beat up. God comes on the scene and says, hey, Gideon, I'm with you. You're a mighty warrior. And I guarantee you, Gideon's response is much like some of yours right now. And he starts to look around. He's like, I'm not a mighty warrior. I'm scared to death. I'm hiding from the enemy. God, I mean, how dare you come to me Send one of your angels and tell me that you're with me and that I'm a mighty warrior. So what he says. But sir, I love that. But, but sir, he didn't call him angel. He didn't call him Lord. He said, but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Show of hands because we're real in this place. How many of you feel the same way? God is with you. You're a mighty warrior. But you're saying to God, sir, why has all this happened to me? Raise your hand if that's you. Look around. Leave them up. Leave them up. Some of you thought you were all in this alone, didn't you? No, we're all in this together. You're a mighty warrior. You are a mighty warrior. And God is with you because our circumstances and current situations do not dictate the fact that the Father is with you. It just doesn't. But God, and I love Gideon's transparency, if the Lord is with us, if you say what you say is true, then why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did the Lord not bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. Now, a real quick refresher, because we are running out of time. And I want to show you what was taking place with Gideon and the Israelites. Gideon was a Jew. He was an Israelite. He was of the chosen children of God. He was the chosen. He was a part of the Jews. He was an Israelite. That's Gideon. Like, that's God's people. Sir, why is all this happening to us? Well, look at what was happening. Um, I'm going to skip real quick for time's sake. Verse 2, because of the power of Midian, the Midianites was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. Whenever or wherever, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people, and I think it's those other eastern people that got them. It's the other eastern people, they invaded the country. They camped out on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare one living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkey. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian was so Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. That's what was going on. And God, you have the gall and the nerve to come to me 
in this time of my life and tell me I am a warrior and that you are with me? I'm going to say this one point. I think this is all we're going to get to today. I'm going to give you the other three, the other two that I was going to talk about because you reminded me to come back to this verse and I'm going to just hang right here for the rest of our morning. The first thing that I need you to understand about your calling, it's not a profession. It's an assignment. Host the Holy Spirit. Say yes to the Father. And if you say yes to the Father, if you say yes to anything the Father says, it is going to be way bigger than you. It's going to be way bigger than you. Gideon is like a little mouse. He's hiding. And what he's actually doing, because some of us that went through church and through Sunday school, we've heard this story told many, many times. He's threshing wheat. He's preparing food, preparing supply, preparing wheat in a wine press. You see, what do you prepare in a wine press? Wine or oil. If you go to Israel with us next year, you'll see an actual, actual wine press where they say Jesus may have taken some olive oil out of the very one. It's one of the oldest things, and it's in a place called Capernaum. And that's the place where Jesus spent most of his time there on the Sea of Galilee. And this thing's preserved. Peter's house is there. You can literally see the foundation of Peter's house. They're pretty sure of this. But you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. You know why he was threshing wheat in a wine press? Is because the Midianites did not go looking for wheat in wine presses. Remember, they had already ravaged the entire place. They had taken everything of value. He was hiding from the enemy. And he thought Gideon, the one who God called a warrior, Gideon thought that God had abandoned him. And so Gideon had to go and provide for himself. Because if you read on in this story, and man, we're not going far this morning in this story. If you'll read further into this story, you will find out what God asks of Gideon is not go make a lot of wheat for bread. He actually says, Gideon, I want you, mighty warrior, to go out And I want you to destroy the enemies so that my children, the Israelites, can be free again. Now look at this. I just said to you, first point, those of you who take notes, if you say yes to the Father, your yes is going to lead you to something much bigger than yourself. Gideon can handle the threshing of the wheat thing. Even if it was in a wine press, he's good and can handle the threshing of the wheat. You know what he can't handle? He cannot handle going to destroy the enemy to set the Israelites free. Now, listen, I'm not judging him. I'm, I'm just actually going through what this scripture says. Take a look at it. Verse 14. 
the Lord said to him, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? And then I love the 15th verse. But Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. (laughs) And I am the least in my family. I love it because I can relate to Gideon. He has two modes. Two modes you'll see in this story. The first mode is right there. He's just done. He gives up. I am threshing wheat in a wine press, and I hope those Eastern people don't come get me. I'm done. I'm giving up. That's how I operate. I have two speeds. I have, I'm not doing it. I'm out. Don't ask me to come play basketball, Andy, because I'm 42 and I'm overweight and I don't run. But I have one heck of a competitive spirit. If I can beat you in it, I will rip your face off. I will. Only if I know I can win. I will. I don't play basketball with Andy, but I will play golf with Andy. So I'm either done. That's why I don't play Monopoly anymore. I don't, I don't play chess. I've never wanted to learn chess. I, I just, I just, I'm either done or I'm all in and it's on. That's how Gideon is. And at this point in his life, maybe where some of you are today is you're off, your hands off. I'm done. I'm, I'm the least of my, my company. I'm the weakest in my family. God, you've forgotten about me. I want to go back to what I read to you in Luke chapter 11. If you want to be involved in what God is doing, because he's going to do his thing with or without you. But if you want to be involved in an amazing movement that I truly believe is going to shape generations to come, you need to simply ask him, God, Father, however you say it, hey, God, what is it that you want me to do? And then listen up. But I'm going to say this. Please do not ask him that question if you are not willing to say yes. I think some of us, even in this room right now, are getting the nerve to ask him, God, what is it that you want me to do? And I have to say this. We have to approach asking that question not so that we can perform really well for the Father, but so that we can simply just lavish our love back towards the Father. Whatever he asks you to do, say yes. I'm going to quickly run through this. So whatever happens, Gideon and the angel, and here's the Lord, and he says, all right, all right, if I'm a mighty warrior, probably, yeah, I'm going to psych myself up. God, I'm going to take you at your word. You said you're sending me, and I'm going to go strike the Midians down, and I'm going to set the Israelites free. I love this. Gideon says, all right. All right, God, let's go get those guys. Okay, God, let's go. Some of you are going to say to God, okay, God, what is it? I'm going to, what do you want me to do? Whatever you say, 
God, I'm going to say yes to it. And that's where Gideon's at. All right, God, let's go get these Midianites. Hey, God, how, what do you want me to do next? God, whatever you say, I'm going to say yes to it. It's way bigger than me, but I'm going to say yes to it. And here we pick up in chapter 7. I love this. Look at the second verse. This is how God responded to Gideon. <laughs> You're going to go get all those bad guys. They're terrible. They're devastating the land. They're killing all our people. There's a lot of them. And they're strong. Can't even count their camels. Look at verse 2. <laughs> the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. <laughs> what? Huh? Gideon had to hear him wrong, right? He surely said, you don't have enough men. And God said, no, Gideon, you have too many men. Just a quick, real quick. This is the second thing I need to tell you. And I'm going to just say one thing about it. One plus one does not always equal two in the kingdom. One plus one does not always equal two with the Father. You know who created one plus one equaling two? I won't say I did, but y'all did. We did. You know why? It's because we can understand one plus one equaling two. Because this is what one plus one equals two looks like in this story. Hey, Gideon, I'm with you. You're a great warrior. You're going to go conquer those evil men, the Midianites, and you're going to set the Israelites free. Now go get as many men. And I'm not talking about just like, don't go get a bunch of preachers. Go get a lot of like warriors. Go get as many warriors as you can find. Go get as many strong, angry men as you can find. Go get as many soldiers as you can find. That's what one plus one equals two looks like if this is the story of Gideon. But one plus one does not always equal two in the kingdom of God. I'm just going to real quickly say this. I sometimes don't understand why God asked me to do or say some of the things that he does. I don't understand them. And sometimes I even get into them and don't fully understand. Sometimes he does not give me a full revelation of the answer. You know what he's looking for? My obedience. And I need you to hear this if you've not heard anything else this morning. It's not only about hosting the presence of the Holy Spirit really well. And it's not only saying yes to the Father. All that's fine and dandy. It really is. Like that's our assignment. But when I say you have an assignment, for many people in this room, you instantly go to, okay, what is going to be the outcome of me being on assignment? It's not the way it works in the kingdom because one plus one does not always equal two. Obedience to the Father is greater than the outcome. I can just tell you right now, and I'm leading this thing with a great group of people and some unbelievable people in this community. My faith in God is much greater than my understanding of Him. I don't fully understand Him all the time. My faith in Him is much greater than my understanding of Him. 
And so if he says one plus one is not going to equal two in this situation, Scott, you know what he's going to say? One plus one is going to equal four billion. Because I've seen him work that way. I want you to go read this story. And again, we go to this place when we take our Israel trip, this very place, the brook where this happens, where the men, his soldiers, lean down to drink the water out of it. We go to that very brook, still flowing with water. I want you to go and read this story. And the last thing I want to leave you with is this, and then we're going to pray for each other. And I'm going to leave this blank because you have to fill this out. I'm going to share my word that I fill in the blank with because I've experienced some crazy things from the Father. But you have to figure out and fill it in yourself. It's this. Your yes to the Father will always lead to a blank. You see that? Your yes to the Father will always lead to blank. And I can just go ahead and almost say this as we journey how you fill in that blank. Not that I will be judging, but I will be picking fruit from your tree. I will be able to tell how big you believe your father is by how you fill in that blank. I heard some of our staff members this week, they said, saying yes to the father will always lead to good. And that's home run, that's dead on. I fill in the blank with this, saying yes to the Father. And this is why I didn't put this up there because I need some explanation. But saying yes to the Father will always lead to an upgrade. And I know immediately we sort of put our human earthly terms on that. But if I believe that my Father is who he says he is, then he is not going to ask me to do anything that he does not already know the outcome to. He already knows where my yes to his voice is going to lead. And yes, my father only knows how to give good gifts. But Scott, it may lead to things... Listen, Paul said this, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I will take it as far as saying yes to the Father may lead to your life being taken. But can I tell you, that is the ultimate upgrade. Go look in Acts, about seven or eight-ish somewhere. There's a man by the name of Stephen who said yes to the Father. And they tied him to a stake and they threw large rocks at him until he died. His yes to the Father led him to an upgrade. It was his yes to the Father that not only led to him dying, it led to the movement of God spreading across the world, even here to Wahlberg. It was a yes to the Father that led to a man's death, the move of revival. It was persecution that moved God's thing, his movement, his presence, his power all across the globe. And so it may not look like an upgrade to human eyes, but I can tell you with 100% assurance 
if the Father in heaven is speaking it to you, the end result is going to be good. And so some of us in this room today, I think Holy Spirit is changing our perspective. On the way we look at a lot of things, but especially with what we're going to do next. Because you're called and you've been given an assignment and that assignment never stops. So when you leave here and you pick up your children and you go and you do whatever it is you go and do, you are still on assignment. And tomorrow morning, whether you love your job or you hate it, you are still on assignment saying yes to the Father is going to lead to and you guys have to fill in the blank. One plus one does not always equal two. I think in the kingdom it equals much more. And just know that if you say, hey God, what do you want me to do? Whatever he's getting ready to tell you is going to be way bigger than you.